Welcome to another episode of Celluloid Citizens. As always, I'm Sean M. Thompson. And I'm Gemma Files. Yes, Gemma keeps coming back. It's true. I love to talk about movies. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't? Uh, well, I'm sure there are people that don't. <laughs> but in any case, we're going I, to be... I, I taught a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, we're thought, going to be covering yeah, I... the 2001 film uh, Brotherhood of the Wolf, original title Le Pacte des Loops, uh, directed by Christopher... Christopher Gans, written by Stéphane Cabell and Christopher Gans, starring Samuel Le Bihan, Mark de Cascos. Jeremy Renier, Vincent Castle, Amelia DeQuain, Monica Bellucci. I'm sure I mispronounced one of those. I'm sorry. I'm Irish. I'm not it. very French. And uh, yeah, so that's that's the movie. It is true. Um, well, this is pulp of a beautiful sort. Um, I used to say of. Uh, the mummy and the mummy returns that they were uh, movies so pulpy that you could strain them between your teeth. (laughs) But um, this, this may actually top them in terms of pulp. Um, Yeah. I mean, I would, you know, it's almost, I think more pulpy because it, it, there are times when it's less pulpy. So then when it gets really pulpy, it's even more apparent. Yeah, it's it's very much like um, you know. I mean, it's beautiful, obviously. Yeah, it's beautiful it's, it's to definitely look at. Well shot. Um, contains some, you know, I, I guess sort of uh, funky looking CGI at this point. Yeah, but you especially two thousand one, a lot of stuff those, had that. Yeah, exactly, and especially when they're doing those um, hurtling shots going through the landscape, where you're just like, what? But at the same time, um, it has a real sort of, um, what do you, fairy tale for adults kind of quality or, yeah, uh, yeah, it does. or porno, mean, it, pornographic comic book for adults. Yeah. Uh, sort you know, of it's got the, the French countryside. Uh, I, I think they're, yeah. I think they actually shot it in France. I, I haven't yeah. confirmed that, but. I'm pretty sure they did. And yeah, uh, parts I mean, of the there's... film were shot at a place called the Chateau de Roquetelade. Okay, it sounds um, like that then, yes. Yeah, and uh, the the province of Gévaudan, where it's set, is a very weird area. It's part of uh, the Languedoc, uh, the Occitan, um, where the Cathars uh, were in the Middle Ages. And um, it's full of all sorts of strange mysteries, and uh, they speak a very different language, which is why at one point um, the main character is uh, quizzing uh, a kid who's seen the beast about what it looks like, and he has to have him translated. Okay, I mean, I have to, (laughs) at the top of the show, I have to admit, the only version I was able to find was an English dub. Uh, I'm not holding the film. I'm not holding it against the film, but it, it's not the best English dub. That's all I'm going to say. No, unfortunately, that is true. Um, you know, so, some people do their own voices, and that's great. Yeah, I think Cassell does his own voice, but it's very apparent that some of the other people, it's like, well, that's not your voice. Yeah, no, that is not your voice. I mean, I've seen enough Giallo yeah. that it doesn't. 
doesn't necessarily take me out of it, but I would have, you know, needless to say, I will love to watch this in French when I can find it. Yeah, you absolutely should, because some of the, uh, I mean, I, I, I genuinely feel that some of the lines are not as impactful or funny uh, when you don't hear them in French. Well, um, I prefer when I can to actually get the original uh, the original track as well. I'm like that with everything. I mean, I'm, there are some people where they can watch anime or whatever with the dubs. I'm not, I prefer the original language. Yep, I agree. I absolutely agree. And, you know, I mean, this is weird for me because uh, ostensibly I took a lot of French going through school. Um, uh, we are I, I, I didn't go to uh, a French immersion school, which is where you actually spend a year or so speaking French only um, and learning everything in French. Uh, but, you know, I had consistent French throughout my throughout my schooling and um, ended up in a place where I can tell when uh, when subtitles are are wrong. Oh, OK. <laughs> But my own French is not so great, except in terms of pronunciation. Ah, all right. Yeah, I, I mean, I uh, I think I took one year of French in the mm, sixth grade, and that's the extent of my French. So I, I just essentially don't have any French. I know my mother actually got very good at French, and good enough that she was able to go to France when she was about 19 oh, and, like, yeah. you, know, f you know, walk around and actually be able to do things. Well, you know, French, French, French is very different from um, uh, French Canadian French. That's true. Yeah. So uh, if, if you ever want to find out how different you should um, uh, watch a film called Bon Cop, Bad Cop, which uh, is a bilingual uh, spoof of action films uh, in which a very uptight um, English speaking cop from Ontario has to go and uh, investigate a series of crimes in French Canada, in Quebec. And uh, a lot of the time he can't really understand what people are saying because they're speaking joual, which is um, French Canadian French, ah, um, yes. which is full of all sorts of slang and actually very archaic pronunciation. Um, right. And yeah. at one point uh, there's, there's a, there's a scene where he's taught, how to how to um, how to swear in Joao, um, and the fact that you can use the word tabernac for pretty much anything. Alrighty, um, mm -hmm. but yeah, so there's an interesting uh, backdrop language, you know, all of that. I think the you know most interesting thing is probably the plot that it's yes. uh, you go into it thinking it's going to be a werewolf film. Because obviously Brotherhood of the Wolf, and that's I'm pretty sure the marketing would have been along those lines. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it but was... it is it is um, I don't want to spoil it so soon, but it it is uh, it's a lot a more complicated more than, than just a werewolf. Yes, a lot more complicated than that. Very. Um, in I fact, to being honest, I think I'd have to rewatch it towards the end to actually fully understand the entire plot admittedly you know i was also going <laughs> off of the english uh dub so that's true yeah um so basically um the legend of the beast of jabudan uh le bête de jabudan 
um, has been around for quite a while. And it's a real, um, yeah, it's historically, well, historically accurate, that's loaded. Uh, it's based on an yeah. actual thing. Yes. Uh, in the Marguerite Mountains of south central France, uh, between 1764 and 1767, uh, a series of attacks uh, covering an area spanning 90 by 80 kilometers, which is 56 by 50 miles, uh, were said to have been committed by one or more beasts with formidable teeth and immense tails, according to contemporary eyewitnesses. Most descriptions from the period identify the beast as a striped hyena, a wolf, a dog, or a wolf-dog hybrid. Um, okay. It was supposedly huge uh, and yet low-slung. Um, its uh, front legs very far away from its back legs. Uh, much longer tail and uh, a little more prehensile than you would expect um, in something of that size. Um, and yeah, so for a long time, people thought that be it's also because that area in particular has a lot of werewolf mythology. Yeah, I mean, I can imagine it looked, um, I've been to Romania before and there's sort of mm. a, there's a vibe of, especially when you get close to the mountains or the dense wilderness. I mean, I, nowadays it's obviously not as superstitious, but you can understand why people would be very, you know, when you're in a isolated environment and it's sort of the backdrop is sort of gothic and creepy it sort of lends itself to well there are devil wolves or whatever yeah exactly you know maybe this is a demon that somebody summoned and it took the form of a wolf whatever um one way or the other uh i think the thing to remember from the beginning is that it wasn't so much a problem for the King of France because people were getting killed by the wolf. It was a problem for the King of France because if he allowed his people to continue to be killed by the Bête de Javedon, then he would look as though he was losing his power. Yeah. Because he's responsible for everything, right? Particularly in terms of um, the nobles in that region who have always given, uh, who have always historically given uh, trouble to the king of France. Right. Yeah. At one point, uh, at one point, the only um, the only crusade ever practiced against people, like uh, officially practiced against people in Europe. Um, as opposed to going to the Middle East and practicing it there was, um, well, no, that's not actually true. Uh, at one point, uh, Venice was, uh, <laughs> was knocked over by, uh, by crusaders. But no, um, before that, uh, the previous only European crusade was done by the French um, army against the, the Cathars, who, like I said, came from that uh, area. They were a bunch of heretics who okay, later, so yeah, um, a... their, their names later became identified with witchcraft ah, so in so that yeah, area. There's a, there's uh, a backdrop of um, yeah. religious tension. Yeah, let's say that. Yep. Uh, so when you so see those I people think... who seem to live in the, the forest, you know, some of them are Roma and some of them are just straight up, you know, pagans, I guess. Yeah. Um... But yeah, I'm, uh, this is a long, from what I remember, long film. It's like, is it 220? Actually, that's not that long. Mm, it's uh, it's almost three hours long. It's, is it? Was it, it 240 then? 
Yeah, I've been watching pretty, so many movies lately, long. I get the run times mixed up in my head. Well, this is the thing, but it's, yeah, it's much longer than you would expect to find in an action movie. That does for sure. Yeah. You know, but, but on the other hand, French period action horror film. So <laughs> one way or the other, um, you know, I mean, I never, I never minded how long it was. It's, but I, then again, I'm the guy, I'm the guy. Why not? Then again, <laughs> I am the person who saw, um, Games of New York uh, 13 times in the theater. 13 and, uh, in theater. Yeah. Wow, that's impressive. And never fell asleep even even in the uh, even in the um, political sections. Uh, I mean, I, I think Gangs of New York, well, I don't want to go on a whole tangent, but I think it, you know, it holds your attention, especially Daniel Day-Lewis and with his American flag like fake eye. Yes. And that mustache and of course and hat, those hats yes. yes as 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 one of my students once said you know look at those hats those hats are whack <laughs> okay i believe that um, was going to yeah, be the, the alternate uh, title for the film <laughs> what, those what hats are, are whack exactly one of the best reactions uh to um brotherhood of the wolf that i ever heard was uh from a guy that i was teaching one year who the year that it came out, um, who was from France, actually. So he was like super hyped to go see it. All right. And the next day he, he came up to me at school and he was like, Jama, you have got to see Le Pat de Loup. Oh, my God, the Foley. You can hear the bones break, <laughs> which is completely true. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I suppose. Yes. <laughs> um, it, it's definitely, uh, it's a hard film to pin down. Um, I went into it, I don't know what I expected, but by the end, I was like, that was not entirely what I was thinking was going to happen. Cause it, you know, based on the poster and even like the first 20 minutes of the film, you just assume it's going to be two guys hunting a werewolf. It's going to be, That's you right. know, very gothic. It's in France and... You know, that's sort of action-y, but like this goes, I mean, I think I described it to you as, it felt like a a gothic kung fu film almost. Yep. I mean, you know, within like the first, oh God, within like the first 15 minutes, you particularly with the, um, the sequence where Gregoire de Fronsac and Mani are introduced there's all sorts of moments where people just kind of hit a pose and then everything goes really slow. <laughs> yeah. And it's very choreographed and there's, you know, like a beautiful um, back and forth tension between the beats of the music and the breaking of the bones and the foley. I mean, it's very <laughs> it's... classic action film where it's like everybody waits in line and one person goes. You know, they beat that person up, then the next person goes. I just well, always laugh I, I at do that, because like as soon as you during, notice during it, you the, never during unsee the brawl, it. Yeah, I mean, during the brawl um, at the hunting party, at least, Manny gets, like, two people attacking him, and then two more people, and then four people. <laughs> That's true. Um, <laughs> but it, it's very, I don't know, <laughs> it's definitely a hell of a way to open a movie. Absolutely. Okay, so let's 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 get down with that. Um, so it begins with a prologue, which is actually an epilogue, 
because it's the because it's set in the future of the movie. Right, um, and you don't necessarily realize until about the two hour mark, I think. Maybe yeah, earlier. That's, that's true. Well, I, I realized because I know when the French Revolution was. Ah, well, um, I mean, I'm a pleb, so. Yeah, okay. So um, basically it opens during the French Revolution, which would be around uh, 1798, probably. Okay. Um, the Marquis d'Apcher, who is now very old, is um, about to be executed <laughs> for being a Marquis, basically. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, and there's a whole bunch of people outside calling for his blood and his servants who all love him are like, you should run away. And he's like, no, tomorrow I will go out and, you know, pay for the crimes of my blood. But tonight I'm going to write my memoirs <laughs> because I've got a lot of stuff to write about. <laughs> so he sits down and he starts to write his memoirs um, and starts talking about how, um, the uh, particularly um, there are ideas that can turn people into beasts. Uh, these might be religious ideals or they might be uh, philosophical ideals. But I know this because it happened once before. And let me tell you about that. So we go back to 1764. And the first thing that we see is a woman being chased by something. Um we're up in the mountains, beautiful landscape, everything looks great until through a crack we come towards this woman who is obviously in bad shape. Yeah. She's got blood all over her. And uh, she trips and falls down a bank of stones, realizes that she's pretty much at the, uh, at the edge of a cliff. Um, uh, and uh, as she tries to climb up onto a more stable ledge to get away from whatever is chasing her, it grabs her from behind and just whacks the crap out of her against these rocks, just like bang, bang, bang. You know, um, it's almost like it's tenderizing her <laughs> and breaks her back and pulls her <laughs> slowly back behind the rock. I mean, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty vicious. Um, for some reason it reminded me of the relic. Well, I mean, maybe I'm just, maybe I'm thinking later with the CG, but yeah. Um, it, it is a bit like that. Um, it's definitely one of those, um, sequences where it's like, obviously there's something horrible here, but we don't want you to want you to know what it is. Or we can't yeah. afford to show it this early. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We can't afford to show it this early. We have to, um, you know, and this makes sense because, like I said, the whole thing about the Bête de Javadon was that people would literally describe it very differently. Um, all the people who saw it and survived would describe it very differently. The only thing that people knew was that it was very big and it had very sharp teeth. Yeah. And it ate people. So, uh, and beasts as well. Um, there's not as much of that happening here, um, but it also ate a lot of sheep and goats and horses and stuff like that. Okay, at any rate, so the next thing we see um, is Grégoire de Fonsac, who's Samuel de Bihan, um, who is a knight and the royal naturalist of uh, King Louis the Fifteenth of France. And his silent... Um, mysterious 
companion, Mani, who uh, is played by Mark DeCascos. And, you know, so this is where I get real proud because Mani is CanCon embodied. He's, he's, he's an Iroquois who also can uh, do martial arts, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> who, I mean, it's, it's yeah, interesting. Rescued, <laughs> rescued during the uh, during the French and Indian Wars um, in uh, in Nouveau Nouvelle France, which is uh, what people used to call Canada back then, because Canada was, oh, basically was that what just New France is supposed back. to be? I wasn't. I didn't actually piece that's, that together. Yeah, that's Canada. Yeah, so you know, it's like the the hottest and most badass guy in this movie is a Canadian. So let's. Let's yeah. take credit where credit is due. Um, yeah, he definitely kicks some ass. He um, kicks a lot. He, he does because, well, we get to see it soon enough. There's a, um, forget the actual circumstances, uh, but it's basically a woman running from this crowd of people. Yeah. So, okay. So the woman who's running from the crowd is uh, a person who actually turns out to be pretty, um, important oh, later that's right, on. Yes. yes. Um, she is a woman whose name we don't learn actually for much of the movie. Um, I believe that, uh, she is, she's Roma. She's, uh, what people used to call a gypsy and what people during this period would definitely call a gypsy. Right. Yeah. Uh, she lives in the forest with her dad. Um, and most people think that she's a witch. Uh, it actually turns out that she has um, epilepsy uh, and maybe just insane. <laughs> yeah. You know, but, she might uh, not be magic. She might just be. Yeah, exactly. Insane. But, she, but she is that kind of crazy hot <laughs> kind of person. Um, and she, and she also looks vaguely, uh, semi, semi Asian. Yeah. Um, and money obviously is attracted to her and she is obviously attracted to him. Um, but in particular, he's brought up short because she's being abused by these guys, um, who are soldiers who are dressed as women because they're trying to attract the beast so that they can kill it. Is that what the fuck was <laughs> happening? Cause it that's, took me a bit to, I, I admittedly, I think I didn't realize until just now. I just thought like, Oh, this is going to be a wild movie where people are just in weird garish makeup and wigs and stuff. <laughs> nope. Those, uh, those dudes are in garish makeup and wigs because they are dressed as women and they're dressed as women because the beast supposedly attacks women and children before it attacks men. Oh, this makes sense now. I mean, it's a very strange image. Um, yeah, it's it's an extremely strange image. And to be frank, because Mani and um, De Fransac are both dressed in these long um, leather uh, frock coats, you know, with their um, with their uh, collars up so high that you can barely see any of their face except for their, uh, for their eyes. Yeah. It's practically you know, a mask. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't. And yeah, and they're both wearing like tree corn hats, um, three cornered hats. And uh, it's, um, it doesn't look any weirder than that. <laughs> 
So, so the fact that these dudes are dressed as women doesn't seem that strange. <laughs> no, in comparison, it's like, all right, this is just the universe of the film. Uh, but yeah, obviously exactly. Manny is annoyed, so he does his kung fu thing. Yeah, and just beats the crap out of these dudes. And this is also taking place in the rain and the mud. <laughs> so we're getting poses we're getting you know the the foley pop 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 you know we're getting uh crack you know um we're getting slow you know slow uh slow camera work um and the rain falling and people falling into the mud and you know mud splashing up against the camera <laughs> It's yeah, it's a amazing. very they they go out of their way to be like it's very muddy and wet. Yeah, um, exactly. So, um, moments after that, um, De Fonsac and Manny arrive where they're actually supposed to be, which is at the uh, the Chateau of the Marquis d'Apcher. Um, the uh, the Marquis in this time period is a young man. Um, and in fact, I mean, I guess he's, he's just the heir apparent at that point because his dad's still alive. So there is in fact an older dude who is also the Marquis d'Apcher. Yeah. But one, one way or the other, um, de Fonsac has been told that this is the guy that he should stay with while he's figuring out, um, what the beast is and how the beast might be caught, um, he believes that the king wants him to catch the beast alive. Uh, but if he can't do that, he can at least um, make a uh, make a taxidermy out of it. Yeah. Uh, he, he, as established, he's a taxidermist. Also a libertine, apparently. Oh, yeah. Yes, definitely a libertine. Uh, he likes ladies. Although he, he kind of seems to flirt with everybody, but... This is, again, that he kind of thing. very problem. equal opportunity, yes. Yes, yeah. You know, it's like, hmm, do him and Monty have something going on, or are they just bros? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's I hard think, to tell. Yeah, that's like a good question, because you get sort of, at one point he calls him his brother. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But, but there are they, other times they are they're hanging out and Manny shirtless and, you know. Yeah, there are definitely blood brothers, Um he was adopted into Manny's tribe, etc. Yeah. Uh, so let's see. Um, okay, so at this point, we are now uh, at the moment where oh yeah, um, the Marquis has um, started a sort of hospital in his uh, in his chateau um, for victims of the beast. So um, de Fonsac goes down there first and he starts asking everybody to describe the creature that they saw. Um, one of the things that he's very good at is drawing. Um, so he basically puts all their descriptions together and um, produces this thing that kind of looks like a, <laughs> like a sketch uh, by, um, oh, God. Who's that very famous, um, the dude who did uh, the drawings for Cycle of the Werewolf by Stephen uh, King. Bernie Wrightson? Yeah, yeah. It looks like a sketch by Bernie Wrightson. It, it does look pretty <laughs> over the top. And it's 
Yeah, I think especially funny weird. because it's this naturalist and man that specializes in nature, and he's like, check this out. This is what you apparently have. Yes. And it's just <laughs> yeah, this very, exactly. like, borderline cartoonish like, <laughs> devil <laughs> yeah, dog. Um, you know, later he, uh, later he is told to go out to take a look at the dead body of um, the lady who got killed in the, uh, in the first scene, um, which they have stuffed full of poison and stuck back where she was killed naked as you on the do, assumption I guess, in this well, oh, okay on the assumption i believe that the beast might come back and try to eat her and oh like she's it, already so. dead let's just leave some bait yeah yeah exactly so she's like covered in dead crows that have been trying to eat her and got, it's and very macabre it. yes it's extremely macabre so um it's basically for, I, I don't know why i found it so funny too but he he first walks into the water a bit and they go, be careful, there's traps. And you see there's like this huge bear trap. And then they proceed, yes. oh, and she's stuffed with poison. So careful of that, too. Yeah, yeah also be, be careful about that. So he takes out a pair of calipers and he starts like measuring the bite marks on her and um, goes, oh, my God, this thing is huge. It, you know, if this is um, if this is the kind of uh, mouth it has, then it must weigh like 500 pounds. Um, and the, uh, the guy who, um, is the, the commander of the local, um, battalion, the local army battalion, um, those were his guys that, uh, DeFrancac and, and Manny beat up, <laughs> uh, comes forward and he's like, yeah, well, you know, I only saw it once and it was, uh, but I do think that I, I, I shot it. Uh, I saw it through my, uh, uh, down the barrel of my gun, um, it did seem pretty large and DeFrancac like whips his sketch out and he goes like, did it look like this? <laughs> and again, it's the Bernie Wrightson sketch. So, you know, the guy looks at it and he goes, mm, it had a long black stripe and a spike on its back. Yes. It is important. Yeah. They emphasize though, there are spikes on the back, which yes, is your definitely. first sort of inkling. Like, well, that's really weird. That's not even a traditional werewolf thing. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't know what this is. You know, um, I, I think earlier the uh, earlier the kid that DeFrancac was talking to in the hospital said that it had teeth like knives. Yeah. And yep. yes. Um, and uh, this is confirmed when DeFrancac finds a fang made of steel stuck in this victim. <laughs> So it's like literally teeth like knives. Oh, okay. That's, yeah, yeah, so that it starts to get a little, hard. the intrigue uh, ramps up because you you wonder, well, if it's if it's a werewolf, then why does it have spikes and metal teeth? Yeah, super effing weird. Okay, so uh, the next thing we see is uh, the Consac uh, has been brought by the Marquis d'Apcher to um, meet uh, basically the most powerful people in the district. Yeah. These are the people that the king wants to pacify by making sure that the beast is captured or killed. Um, and the most important people at the table, um, they're all, they're all old. They're all weird looking. They're all, um, they're all mainly dressed in red, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, but the most important people are uh, the the bishop um, and uh, 
the end, um, the Marquis de, de Morangias, uh, I'm sorry, the Count de Morangias, um, and uh, the Count and Countess de Morangias uh, have two children who we both meet. Um, one is uh, an older son, Jean-Francois, who uh, is has been a avid hunter and a world traveler. Uh, the first thing we know about Jean-Francois is he's kind of creepy because he's Vincent Cassell. Because he's Vincent Cassell, I was going to say. <laughs> there, is, there is no way that he could not be creepy. I mean, he's Vincent Cassell, super young, super, super young. It's like you, you, you may watch this and go like, oh, my God, I had no idea he was ever that young. But that, you would only think that if you had never seen La Haine, which was the first film that I saw him in. Um, I always feel bad because, like, my initial reaction, and I know this is intentional, but every time I see him in a movie, it's like, oh, shit, something weird is going to happen. You know, it's, well, you know, uh, if he didn't and want to. he doesn't have to do anything that. either. He just shows up and you're like, uh-oh. Oh, no. <laughs> Vincent Cassel. Um, but, yeah, uh, so Jean-Francois, uh, the second thing that you notice about him is that he's a bit of a fop and he has one arm. Yeah, it's very Thomas Harris. I don't know. <laughs> like, yes, yes, he had yes, one yes, arm and wore only red. And yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah, he he's a bit like that. Um, you know, it's like he's a gothic guy. He's that kind of he, dude. Yeah, he's just a gothic character. Yeah, exactly. He would be he would be the person that you know if uh, De Fransac was a chick, he'd be falling in love with him. Um, but, uh, de Fransac is not a chick and he, he is instead, um, very interested in Jean-Francois's younger sister, Marianne de Marangias. Um, Marianne is played by Emily Duquen, um, who at the time I think was just coming off a very realist movie, um, and uh, for which she had won a bunch of different awards. Um, I don't think anybody expected to, you know, I don't think anybody expected to see her in this kind of film immediately after that. I mean, that's kind of um, like lately. That's what I love about Amy Adams, because it just seems like, true. you know, she'll win awards and then she'll be like, I'm going to go do this weird ass movie. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to do what I want. And um, yeah, I was. Yeah. And she is super cute. She is a very she is. Girl. Yeah, she's adorable in this movie. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of that will they, won't they type stuff. Very mm -hmm. rom com -y where when they initially meet, uh, she doesn't really <laughs> want anything to do with him. Well, you know, I mean, she's very used to being, um, what is it? Dapshio says that she's uh, the most difficult quarry in this, uh, in this province. She seems so to delight in turning people down. Yeah, she's she's very used to dudes just like falling all over her. Um, and she's also currently being annoyed by a guy who's a very bad poet. The worst poet, <laughs> yes. Oh, the worst poet in the world. Um, he incorporates sound later. effects later into one of his poems. <laughs> yes, I've been told that the height of poetry is to make wolf sounds. Yes, really bad wolf sounds. Very bad wolf, I mean, yes, but so... Like He's he's trying to more or less Back get into Marianne's pants, and she's kind of yeah, toying well, with him because she, she knows it ain't happening. You know, 
She's not interested, not even in, even a little. She is more interested in de Fransac, but de Fransac is also, you know, it's sort of like, um, oh, you, the big guy from the big city, you know, you're going to come here and show us, uh, country idiots how to do it. <laughs> but he does have um, a, a lovely little ploy where he walks up to the poet and he says, I forget who exactly, but one of them in there wants their, Wants to have a play or a biography written. Uh, no, wants wants to wants you to write his memoirs or write his memoirs. So, yes, but he's not going to yeah, tell so, so you. He's there. not going to come out right exactly. and say it. Yeah, just just you know, just let him let him get around to it. He's like, oh, okay, <laughs> leaves them alone. Um, it's also at this dinner that uh, De Fransac, um shows uh, everybody at the table a fish <laughs> that with he, fur on it. That, Yes, he says he's brought a a furry trout from from Canada, where as as uh, as the Countess de Marangias, um exclaims, the water must be very cold. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's yeah he he calls it uh, um, like a, a a dermopilia, uh, in other words, with with hair coming out of its skin, um, trout, and. Yeah, so it's uh, it's basically his way of um, showing them that if you uh, that that anything can be faked. That um, what is it? He says, um, "Does this does this mean that you think that the wolf is a fable?" Uh, and he says, "No, I'm trying to show you that um, unicorns and." Dragons are only found in fables. This lies, uh, lies sound like truth when dressed in Latin. Lies sound like truth when dressed in Latin. My husband just told me that because he loves this movie so much, <laughs> and he's really good at, at remembering things like that. Um, you know, in other words, uh, we have to. We can't just assume we know what it is. Right. We have to yeah. find it before it's, we, it's, before uh, we know it's sort what of a comedic is. way of saying, um, you know, don't. Yeah. Don't believe everything that you hear. Or see. Or see, you know? yeah, like, for that matter. I, I could tell you any shit, <laughs> you know, and as long as I've got a furry trout to yeah, back Yeah, you bought a furry fish, so what else are you going to buy? Yeah, exactly, man. You know, um, and it's not just the, because you're in the country. It's because anybody could say this. Right, yeah. Um, uh, somewhere in here they introduce Manny and in sort of the... Ooh. The way you'd expect for back in the day, France. Mm-hmm. Yes. Who is who is the savage that you travel with? Your your red Indian, you know, and defense not a lot attacked, obviously. Yeah, you know, this man saved my life, you know, during the French and Indian War, and um, he is, you know, he has a a better soul than anyone else I've met. You know, it's like he's. He's very impressed with Manny, obviously. And, you know, um, he feels very, uh, very specific about him. He feels um, some type of way. We're not sure exactly yeah, what type of way. Yeah. But Wait, we're not sure way. what type of way, but some sort of way. At any rate. And how could you not? Mark Dacascos is crazy beautiful in this film. Again, you know. He it's is. Like, yeah, he's in great shape. No. Very pretty man. Um, yep. He does I mean, a lot of a karate and kung fu. But, and... Yeah, but but he is like 
dewy in this film. You know, he's got amazing eyes. Um, he's constantly uh, yeah, shirtless. Yes, his French is maybe not as good as it could be, but it's but it's really hilarious. <laughs> See, I wouldn't again. Uh, I watched the dub, so everyone was yeah, sort of exactly. vaguely hilarious to me. One way or the other, it's um, yeah, he's he's kind of an amazing guy, and of and of course he he has that thing where it's like he hears wolves howling outside and immediately jumps up and rushes to the window, and you know it's like oh the wolves will tell us <laughs> you know where this thing is, and, you know he he has like a spiritual um, attachment to uh, the real wolves yeah. in the the area and a uh, spiritual attachment to the land, even though this is not ostensibly his country. Um, yeah. He's the kind of guy who cuts through things, um, through the appearance of things. Okay. So secondarily, after leaving the Marangiasis, um, where would you go, but to a local brothel? Of course. And it's, it's, yeah. I, I find it sort of funny that Frontac is attempting to woo this royal woman and then just immediately goes to the brothel. Yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was 18th century France, so that, what else exactly. do you do? Exactly. You know, and the uh, Marquis is like, uh, so uh, this is the other really good place to pick up information. <laughs> Let's and go to Frantz the brothel. And is immediately like, I'll, I'll go. Don't worry, Manny. I'll go. Yeah. No problem. You know, so um, at the brothel, the Fransac meets Sylvia, an Italian courtesan, who's played by Monica Bellucci. Monica Bellucci. Yes. Um, Sylvia is mm, pure sex, basically. Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> the character yeah. becomes... Somewhat confusing, Hilarious. I guess, by the end, but uh, yeah. but at this point, it's just a lot of vavoom, you know. Yeah, exactly. You know, she's like got little mask over her eyes and nothing over her boobs, and she's you know um, laying out tarot cards <laughs> and being vaguely witchy. Yeah, so this is and... when it goes into sort of like goth porn, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Vaguely. Yep. Yeah, vaguely. That's uh, probably it's like, the best I know way you to walked in on me doing my tarot. Yeah. Instead of the pizza man or like, whatever. That's right. Well, I'm always aroused by a woman when I walk in on her doing a tarot reading. Yes. <laughs> Why but, wouldn't um, you be? Exactly. Yeah, yeah but so, I mean, they do it, obviously. <laughs> I don't know. They do it. Um, and the next day, there's a big hunt. Uh, massive ass wolf hunt. Um, ostensibly, they're there to try and find the beast, obviously. Um, but they've decided, as far as I can tell, that the best way to do this would be to kill every fucking animal in the area. Yeah, it's just um, sort of a law of averages things. Like, if there's no animals left, then we've probably killed it. Exactly. We probably killed the beast. So, um, it's a huge, huge hunt. Um, Marianne has already been told that uh, she should not attend it because it will be way too dangerous. And uh, uh, Franzak and um, the Marquis have made a bet about whether she's going to turn up or not. 
And of course, she does turn up dressed completely in red yes. because she's about the mirage, yes. Because she's royalty, um, and apparently that's all they do around here. Um, the first thing, however, that happens is that uh, everybody is unpacking their horses and getting their gear on, and um, Manny looks into the crowd and sees the sexy, crazy witch lady um, from the beginning. And he looks at her and she looks at him and uh, she's like, uh, you know, she, she gives him a look like, I'll bet you think I'm really attracted to you, right? And then she immediately grabs two dudes, uh, one on either side of her, and just starts tongue kissing them really aggressively. <laughs> yeah, in a and, very, you know, a very yeah. well-placed uh, attempt at jealousy, I suppose. Yes, yeah, well, she's also got her both hands down both their pants, as I recall. And uh, the two of them look at him, and they're like, Ha ha! And he's like, I am super disinterested. <laughs> and they take this as an affront and immediately. How dare you not want to watch, yeah. Yeah, how dare you not want to get in a fight with us? We are offended by that and we want to get in a fight with you. <laughs> so. <laughs> and that makes so, them so angry that they decide to, yeah. How dare you not to want to fight us, so we're going to fight about it. Exactly. So this leads to this big ass brawl where Manny just ends up fighting. It uh, seems like half the, the crowd. I don't know. Yeah, like half the crowd. Half the crowd is made up of people who live in the forest. And you can tell they live in the forest because they're essentially wearing like taxidermied animals on their heads and, uh, you know, all sorts of fur and uh, leaping around like Batrock from uh, Captain America, the, the Winter Soldier. Indeed, yeah, and uh, yeah, Manny hands a lot of asses to various people. Yes, including two sexy chicks. In, yeah, uh, he has sort of a moment like, D okay, I guess, I mean. <laughs> yeah. uh, do you really want to get your ass handed to you? And they're like, we do. Because again, you know, 18th century France, what else is there to do? Mm-hmm. So... Uh, so first it's like two dudes and then it's two women and then it's four people at once, all with, you know, wolf claw, um, knives stuck yeah. in their hands and, um, Manny still taking all comers. Eventually, um, one guy, uh, tries to get him from behind and, uh, Jean-Francois Jean shoots that dude in the shoulder and breaks it up. Um, at that point, we discovered that Jean-Francois has this amazing musket that has been um, retrofitted for him to fire one-handed, and yeah. also that he only uses silver bullets. Silver bullets? Are you afraid of werewolves? Says de Fransac, and to which, um, which Jean-Francois replies that no, but he likes to sign his shots, so you will always know that it's me. Who shot somebody because, oh, look. A silver the, bullet, uh, yes. The bullet is made of silver, yes. Uh, this later turns out to be worth something in terms of intelligence. Um, so, where are we now? I, hmm. Um, oh, uh, yeah. And he also says that he lost his arm because, uh, because 
he found out that uh, one bullet will not suffice for an African lion. Ah, which will come back around. Again, yes. So, yes, at this point, I believe it's uh, Ronsak and Manny, they run into uh, Marianne, who's out, mm-hmm. you know, riding her horse, out seeing what's happening with the hunt. Mm-hmm. We intercut with shots of the hunt itself, which is basically just a wide-scale wolf slaughter. Yep, exactly. And then we uh, we come upon these uh, these ruins. Um, forgive me, I don't have it written down. I believe they were uh, maybe ruins a church. A, yes, that's right. They're the ruins of a church, and uh, a bunch of wolves are like living in the the ruined church. Yeah, and that's this movie. I mean, <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> oh, symbolism, symbolism. <laughs> But yes, so they, um, uh, there's a white wolf there and someone, I believe it's, maybe it might be Jean-Francois, shows up and wants to kill that wolf, but they stop him. Or Manny stops him. Yeah, Manny stops him because Manny is kind of, has kind of identified himself with the white wolf. Right, but also because they, he knows from, um, he knows from Fransac that, this, there's no way this could be the animal because its bite no, isn't exactly. even close to as big. Yeah. It's, it's just, does this look like a 500-pound wolf? No. Does this look like a Bernie Wrightson like picture? No. No? Nope. <laughs> it does not. Um, but we cut to this very sad shot of them basically stacking dead wolves. Uh, it's the worst. Yeah. It's, it's really horrible. So... Yeah, um, let's see. What happens after this? Huh. Forgot a bit. So, at a... This is where things really start to get complicated. Yeah, Um, that's true. So, basically, there's another attack... Um, and during that attack, um, a traumatized child witness swears that the beast is controlled by what seems to be a human master. Ah, yes. yes. Um, basically a guy appears on top of, uh, a cliff as the beast is hunting, um, these two kids, uh, through, and their mom through, uh, through a ruin. And in fact, I think it's the same ruin. Yeah, I believe so. um, The the kids manage to escape because they get into a place that is literally too small for the beast to thrust its entire head inside. Um, But the mom is but the mom is definitely killed. Oh yeah. And they and when they find the kids, they're almost frozen to death. Um, And uh, as I said, the kid says that a guy wearing a weird mask appeared at the top of a cliff and blew a whistle and the beast went away. The beast came to him and kind of fawned on him as though it was his pet. Um, but the investigation is going on for far too long. So basically the King's weapon master, the Lord de, Be- de Botern, 
arrives to put an end to the beast and uh, Fransac is sent back to Paris. Um, you know, the thing is that what Botern finds um, is not <laughs> is not the beast. It's just another wolf. In fact, as I recall, it is um, basically this thing that, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, basically it's just another wolf. And Fransac is told to um, make a taxidermy wolf out of yeah, all the Yeah, I mean, they know it's not the right wolf, but he tells yeah, them, exactly. yeah, make all it look like the picture you drew, like the witness accounts. Yes, yeah, like the Bernie Wrightson. Right, you know? and he's so such a skilled taxidermist that he's able to do it. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, because the because basically uh, what's happened in the interim is that a book has been going around in Paris, or actually, um, uh, it's been going around all over. Not not a book, uh, a pamphlet uh, has been going around all over France, but particularly in Paris. Um, basically saying that the beast is uh, God's vengeance against the king. Right, yes. And, um, you know, it is entirely likely that this is being produced by a group that wants to undermine the king. Um, a group called, ha, da, 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 the Brotherhood of the Wolf. That's the name of the movie, yes. Exactly. Um, working to undermine public confidence in the king and ultimately take over the country. Um, so they're using the beast as an instrument, um, for their secret society. Um, but Fransac knows that something is killing these people. <laughs> so, um, the, you know, as back in Gévaudan, uh, the attacks by the real beast continue, um, Fransac and Manny return together to put an end to, to the killings. Um, but they're doing it without, uh, the King's, with the King's, without power the king's approval, basically without the King's approval. Yeah. So, you know, the Marquis is like, okay. Um, you know, the young Marquis is like, okay, well, you know, uh, I think you're a good guy and I think you're probably right. So yeah, I'll support you, but that and five bucks will get you a kiss. I don't know. <laughs> um, so De Fransac, um writes to Marianne and manages to get her to, uh, yeah, previously she was a little pissed off with him because she figured out that he was, uh, <laughs> that he was fucking Sylvia. Right. But it's been a while. I guess she's been thinking about him since then. Um, he says, why don't you come and meet me secretly in the, in, in the woods? Which is obviously when, a great idea. Yeah, yeah, obviously a wonderful idea. Um, at the secret rendezvous, they are attacked by the beast. But at the last moment, it mysteriously refrains from attacking her. She's like literally, I don't know, three, two feet away from it. And it just sort of sniffs and goes like, yeah, not her, and leaves. Yeah, and they we, uh, well, we got... I believe this is one of the first times we get to really see the beast. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's obviously wearing some sort of weird armor. Yes. It's got yeah. spikes sticking it's out of its wearing... back. It's got, like, spikes, like a spiky kind of helmet. 
Yeah, I mean, it's particularly strange because the armor is mainly made of because it's because it's an animal. The armor is like mainly made of leather. Yeah. So it creaks a lot, and you know, like these straps um, to to keep it on. Um, one assumes that uh, the leather gives it a little bit of um, protection, but not as much as it probably needs. Right. And it must be really heavy as well. <laughs> but the other thing that's really obvious looking at it is that it is not any sort of wolf. No, no. In fact, it is not any sort of animal that you would expect to find in France. No, not at all. Um, you know, which brings us back to uh, the original witness um, that Defrancac was talking to when he says, um, you know, you say that you've seen lots of wolves and this wasn't a wolf. What was it then? And the kid goes, it was it was a demon uh, or um, yeah, c'est un diable. Um, it was a devil. Uh, and, you know, Defrancac obviously doesn't think that it was that. Uh, doesn't think that it was a demon any more than he thinks that it was a dragon or a unicorn. But he's he's that is the moment where he realizes this is an animal from somewhere completely different. Right, it's a different type of animal. Um, yeah, he. I think he does realize that someone is controlling the animal. Yes, absolutely, because he because he sees the guy with his. Whistle. Oh yes, that's right. And a strange ass mask. Now, yeah, he knows that whoever it is is probably living in the forest. I think probably because the mask looks very much like the stuff that um, the people who live in the forest usually wear. Yeah, I mean it's, it's made it's similar in terms of the fabrics yeah. and the style. Yeah, exactly. So Defrancac and Mani and the Marquis Dapcher set out into the forest and they set up an array of traps to try and capture the beast. Um, this leads to this wonderful <laughs> scene where they they set up a bunch of pumpkins. All right. And they're shooting, their, you know, it's basically the, this is my weapon and this is how I destroy a pumpkin scene. Yes. And this is my weapon and this is how I destroy a pumpkin. So, you um, know, we got a lot of friends. I, I don't know what they put uh, in those pumpkins because it, it, it seems like, you know, when they when they perforate the pumpkin, all this crap spills out of it. It's almost like it's pumpkin soup. Yeah, it's, it's like, definitely not. I don't know. It's not what would actually come out of a pumpkin. It's it's very yes, evil right. dead, you but, know. But this uh, is where um this is where we discover that uh you know Oh, well, I've got this gun and it's pretty big. Well, I've got this gun and it's really big. And uh, Manny, are you going to use a gun? (laughs) Manny instead takes out, you know, a hatchet, like, you know, a tomahawk. And he's like, "Um, no, you know, I, I, trop de bruit, trop de fumée, mauvaise odeur, which means, um, yeah, too much noise, too much smoke, bad smell. Yeah. And so no, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna have around with guns. And instead, he's you know gonna fight with his tomahawk, which uh, you know certainly works on pumpkins. It does. Uh, yeah. So mm-hmm. this is our gear up scene. Yeah. Uh, then we get uh... where they 
try to capture the beach. Right. Um, it's sort of funny. They have all these traps that they set up and basically none of them work. No, none of them work. Although the beast is severely injured, it manages to escape. Yeah. Manny sets off in pursuit. And he finds a catacomb in the deep forest, goes through um, basically this tunnel that's hidden amongst the, the trees and the rocks. And um, it's obviously used as the beast's holding pen. And it's inhabited. Um, it says it's inhabited by the Brotherhood in the rundown in um, Wikipedia. But, you know, the Brotherhood are, are the people who are making the moves they're the powerful people. What it's actually inhabited by are is um, Crazy Witch Girl, her dad, who apparently was a animal trainer at one point. Um, so two Roma and a bunch of Ox- of Oshitan people, <laughs> uh, a, bu- a bunch of people from you know the forest. Uh, these these semi pagan people uh, that she hangs around with. Um, who I guess are kind of like the, the militant wing of the Brotherhood. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I don't think they're the Brotherhood because, um, well, right as you just said, uh, it's established mm-hmm. the Brotherhood. It's, it's mainly the royalty and the you know the um, yeah, the, the nobles. Right, the noble people. Uh, these are yeah. These are the uh, yeah. these are the woods. The whatever the hell they're called. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, well, this is the thing. I mean, it's like, who are they? I don't know, but they live in the woods. Um, I was about to say the woods people. I guess that's close enough. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you know, I would say they're, you know what? They're probably the kind of outlaws who used to be uh, referred to as wolf's heads because they were just thrown out of villages and had to live in the the woods and could be killed um, as if they were wolves. Yeah. This is uh, like a medieval term. Anyways, so money again has to fight everybody, but he's totally outnumbered at this point. And at the last moment after being getting the crap beat out of him, he is shot and killed. Uh, Fransak uh, discovers Manny's body. Um and, uh, you know, Manny's body is uh, treated, you know, like thrown off a cliff, essentially. Yeah, it's pretty and harsh. They, they, they yeah, throw it. Treated, treated extremely badly. Um, and in a lot of ways, I think it's framed much as if Manny is one of those wolves who got killed during the giant hunt. You know, as if he's an animal, you know, a savage, someone who can be discarded just as easily. Um, and this really gets up front sex nose. <laughs> as you know, as it, it makes sense. It I mean, he's described this man yeah. as his brother. He's clearly, yeah, they have some form of relationship. Yeah. Some sort of deep affection for each other. So, um, so he, uh, performs an autopsy on Manny's body which is something, by the way, that you were not supposed to do back then. Um, and uh, I think it was illegal to perform autopsies on human bodies, even even savages, <laughs> uh, even uh, indigenous people, um, until like the 1800s. Uh, and 
it was illegal to do it on Christians. That's probably why he could get away with it for money. Ah, uh, that's true. It was illegal to do it on Christians, my husband says, oh, okay. which is probably why he could get, get away with doing it on uh, money. But, of course, he finds a silver bullet. Yes. Yeah, signature choice of ammunition for Jean-Francois de Melangias. So it ties so, back together few, and, um, yeah, you know, obvious villain is obvious. Yes, exactly. In a fit of rage, um, Fransac uh, goes to the catacombs and he slaughters many members of the forest people, but he is overpowered by the local authorities and imprisoned. Who visits him in jail but the beautiful Sylvia? She is uh, she is now um, not. I mean, she's still super sexy, but she's she's dressed. She's not really in her boudoir outfit. No, exactly. She she's she's kind of. uh, Well, I guess she's had this. We've been there's been these shots of her. It hasn't always been clear that it's been her, but this woman in this green. robe with this large cowl. Yeah. And this is obviously Sylvia. And yeah, th- this exactly. is sort of the outfit she wears going to visit him in jail. Yeah, exactly. So Sylvia visits him in jail and where she reveals that she is a spy for the Vatican. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they he went real deep cover with that. Yeah, exactly. He already kind of knew she was a spy because she, you know, would read his letters while he was as- while he was supposedly asleep and stuff like that. Um, right. But, Everyone wonders uh, why an Italian would be in the French countryside. I mean, I guess it's yes, not implausible, yes. but yeah, it, it's not totally implausible. But at the same time, it's like if you were if you were a super hot Italian, maybe you would uh, choose to go to I don't know Paris and work in a brothel there. <laughs> Right, um, yeah, it probably made more sense than ass middle of nowhere. Yeah, exactly. So, yes, she is a spy for the Vatican, um, possibly a nun who has some kind of dispensation to have sex with people in a brothel. Who knows? Um, she explains that the leader of the Brotherhood, ostensibly, is the local priest, um, who uh, and the local bishop, and uh, he believes that he uh, he and actually not the Count de Moranges, but the Countess de Moranges, who's played by Edith Scobe, um, who uh, is a very well known uh, actress in France. Um, she, uh, both of the two of them believe that by uh, taking power away from the king, they will restore the worship of God to France. Um, meanwhile, uh, the Pope has decided that this is an insane idea. And so, uh, specifically he, he sent Sylvia to get rid of the Bishop. Right. Um, and also probably to undercut the power of the brotherhood in general. Um, and de Fronsac is like, okay, cool. So I guess we can go and you know, do that together. And she's like, no, I don't think so. Um, she kisses him and she has poisoned him with poisoned lipstick. Was and, it, I wasn't sure uh, if it was that or the food. Yeah, was, she's, she's poisoned him one way or the other. I mean, there's uh, sort of this comical character who apparently, I guess he's the chef, but he, mm-hmm. he seems to be going to great pains to make the food for basically this dungeon. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, but yes, yeah, so, you know, uh, ostensibly... Um, she poisons Defranzac and says he knows too much. And ostensibly he dies, which obviously yeah, most savvy like, viewers oh, would assume no. he's not dead. Monty's dead and Defranzac is dead. Right, yeah. What's the two main characters are now dead. Not the best has way been to... Wounded, you know, what's going to happen to Marianne? Well, this is going to happen to Marianne. A lot of grossness, so, yes. Yeah. So Marianne is um, in her room, and uh, Jean-Francois comes to see her and, um, and <laughs> reveals that... I mean, not this is when the is movie, he, for me, just really explodes into absurdity. Completely explodes, yeah. You know, and, and okay, so here's, here's what I love. Vincent Cassell apparently was not interested in this role until they added this part. He was like, no, 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 I need it to be more creepy. No, no, creepier than it's that. It's too normal, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's way too normal. Yes, you know, I mean, you know, it's like getting to, getting to wear... 18th century clothes, that's one thing. But, um, you know, and act like a fop and shoot people with silver bullets, that's that's okay. But I really think that what I need is a gangrenous arm that I've been keeping strapped down to pretend that I have no arm. Which doesn't long, make a ton of sense. You're, you're, you're perfectly correct with long raggedy ass fingernails that make me look like some kind of fucking vampire and yeah, half vampire. And also I need to be hot for my sister. Right. And the, because, the sequence of events is pretty funny too, where he's like, check out my, I have an arm. So now we can have sex. It's like, what? <laughs> I mean, uh, we're still related. Like, I know we're royalty, you, but we're still related. Not have an arm. Why would you pretend to not have an arm? And he's like, basically, well, if I, if I had two arms, then you would leave me. <laughs> you know, his reasoning but if I isn't had, amazing. If I only had one arm, then you would have to, you would have to stay with me and love me and look after me. And she's like, well, I am super creeped out now. And he's like, yes, well, that's okay because uh, I've given up on that. <laughs> I just. We have to have sex right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, might, I have to admit, on a personal level, it's been a weird two weeks because I watched Enter the Void last week, where mm -hmm. there's a very heavy brother-sister incest vibe. And then I watched Brotherhood of the Wolf, where there's a very mm -hmm. heavy... Now you should watch rewatch Climax, obviously. <laughs> uh, no, I, I actually told... Um, because we're hoping to do a three-part episode with Brian and Chris, but I was like, we have, to, I can't do this. Like, we need to push this back because this has now been like two Noah films in a month, and it's just too much for me. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's a lot. It's definitely a lot. So yes, she's she's like, no, you're crazy. Get out of here. And he's like, nope, I'm gonna have sex with you right now, which is horrifying, and yet. It happens. Yeah, and it, it does. I, I mean, I was pretty... I, yeah, I guess I was pretty shocked by this. I thought they would go right to the line and then maybe, you know, um, nope. Frontac would jump through the window to save the day, but that does not happen. <laughs> but no. Um, so we go to go back to Dufrancac, who wakes up suddenly in a coffin. 
and, um, uh, and basically Sylvia's agents have exhumed him. Uh, he hasn't been killed. He's been put into a temporary coma. <laughs> much better. Yes. Yes. Much better. It's true. So he goes back home and puts on, I guess, probably the outfit that he wore in Nouvelle France when he was, uh, when he was fighting alongside Mani and his tribe. And, um, but basically he, he sort of looks like, you know, I'm dressing up like Mani to avenge Mani. <laughs> Which and, is uh, cool, but yeah, I cool mean, it is also in a way almost blackface, but I mean, yeah, it is a, it is a bit, unfortunately, I mean, it's 18th century France. So I guess that's the, it's the least we can hope we, for, we've, I guess. Mani put, put on the black, on the, the black stuff on his face. Yeah. But with him, it wasn't blackface. But yeah, with with Defrancac, perhaps. At any rate, one way or the other, it's appropriative either way. But you can understand, right? So, it's, it's an homage to his fallen uh, friend, and his fallen friend isn't alive to be like, maybe you shouldn't do that. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> maybe Maddie would be like giving him the side. I can eye do like, that. You're not really supposed yeah. to. But anyway. <laughs> Yeah. Fransac goes on um, the warpath. Um, literally. Um, yeah. And he appears at the height of one of the Brotherhood's sermons. Um, and basically uh, the, uh, basically the countess and the, uh, and, and the bishop and everybody else um, are, you know, laughing about how, you know, now we will be able to take over France and blah, 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 and bring back God. And uh, Defrancac kind of pops up and goes like, no, that's not going to happen. He does sort of this crazy kind of front flip off a building. Yeah. Yes, he does. Yes. Yeah. To land like behind, a- um, like, behind the priest, which is very, it's like, all right, well, this that's this movie. Well, you know, obviously, uh, Manny's soul and skill have been transferred to him. Right. It's very, we're into crow territory where it's just like, That's I can right. just do this I mean, now. He, yeah. He, he came back from the dead. He can do anything. That's true. Yeah, it's <laughs> so, also like the crow. So, you know, um, and the, and the count and, uh, countess Marangias are, are like, you know, maybe we should go. And Jean-Francois is like, nope. <laughs> so you like, Throws off his, throws off his frock coat and, um, you know, unbuttons his hand <laughs> and, and, uh, takes out this sword that I guess he must have gotten in Africa. <laughs> it appears to be, I'm not sure on the physics on this thing, but it's apparently made of bone. Sometimes it'll yep. stay together, but other times he can sort of launch it and it goes off like a, grappling hook almost sort of yes yeah it's like all the sections are um strung on wire and uh the and if you um if you sort of get up enough speed and torque Ah. then the wire will extend and the the sections will come apart but they're still stuck together by the wire so Somehow yeah, it works. It's Whatever. It's it's yeah, it's uh, goth magic. I, I have seen swords like this, but Do they I must actually, admit, I mean, I've seen swords like this, but I must admit they were all in kung fu movies. 
<laughs> right. Yeah, we're going back into so goth kung fu that, territory. Yeah, exactly. So, so the idea that you know, it's like, well, and there, there I was in uh, in Africa, uh, where I picked up some lion cubs and also this sword <laughs> that's just exactly like a sword from China, except it's made of bone. Yeah. I don't know. And they mm-hmm. uh, they fight. Yep, they have this massive ass fight. And uh, John Francois does pretty good for a guy who's um, uh, who one of his just arms. Just in a coma, yes. Be... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, De Fransac does really good for a guy who is in a coma. Jean Francois does pretty good for a guy whose one of his arms should be totally withered because he's he's been keeping it strapped to the side of his. <laughs> yeah, in a weird way, it looks very oddly. Muscle, like muscular, yeah. which doesn't yeah, make like, the most sense, but okay. No, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. You know, it's like maybe, maybe every time he unstraps it, he's being like. I mean, pumping. maybe in secret he like works out just that arm. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it, it also looks evil in an Evil Dead kind of way. It like does, I said, you know, you know I think like, it does look very much like a werewolf arm. You know, minus the hair. Mm-hmm. Because it's got the yeah. long kind of claws and it's very like you know riffly muscles and sort of yeah strange looking. Yeah, I mean, I think it's supposed to look like he had gangrene, but he got over it. Okay, but it just looks like it's evil. It just yeah, it's like just his like evil arm. It makes it as much sense as anything else in this movie. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so um, uh, they fight. It's a great fight. Uh, he manages to, uh, Defrançac manages to kill Jean-Francois. Um, the bishop escapes into the mountains, and, uh, but is mauled to death by a pack of wolves. Um, Defrançac and the Marquis go to the beast's lair, where it lays severely wo- wounded. It never really sh- shows up again yeah. until then. Um, and it turns out that the beast was the last surviving offspring of a creature that Jean Francois brought from Af- back from Africa and was tortured into becoming vicious and dressed in metal armor plating and spikes. They learn all this from the uh, from the the crazy witch lady's uh, um, father. Um, yeah. So apparently gee, it was a. I mean, I was, was a little uh, confused on this, but apparently it was supposed to be a wolf. Well. Oh, sorry. A lion. a lion. It was supposed to be a lion. Definitely a lion. Yeah. I, I think what happened was that its mother probably was the creature that um, almost cost Jean-Francois' arm. Yeah, that's what I figured, yeah. Um, but yeah, some, I, admittedly, I wonder how much of this was also me with the English dub. Mm-hmm. Because they, well, they sort of... The yeah, I mean, I don't know if in the French, uh, the original... Translation. I don't know if that they actually were a little more uh, coherent about it. I remember it being a little more coherent, <laughs> but the the main coherence is that yes, this this is definitely a lion. Yeah, and, and they they do. I th- I think the main reasoning for that is they show the eye, and you realize, oh, it's a yellow eye. So that obviously that's not. Well, I don't know. Do wolves have yellow? Yeah. No. Well, whatever. It's a lion. We know it's a lion. Do not have. Okay. It also has the pupil of a big cat, right? So, yeah. As opposed to the pupil of a big dog, so or a big canid, shall we say? Yeah. Anyway. And, um. 
don't know if you can. I guess in theory you can train a lion if you get them young enough. Young enough. I don't know that you can train them this way, but again, you know, this is a movie with monster arms and <laughs> non-whores, so it makes as much sense as anything else. Yeah, exactly. And um, one way or the other, uh, you know, I I think looking back on it, he might even have had two of them at one point, and one of them died. Yeah, that but, would make sense. Yeah, exactly. At any rate, so Defronsac takes pity and kills the beast in an act of mercy. And um, it is at this point that the Marquis finishes writing his account. And just before he is led to his execution by a revolutionary mob, he states that he doesn't know what happened to Defronsac and Marianne after the death of the beast, but he hopes that somewhere they are happy together. Cut to Defronsac and Marianne on a ship going happy together going one assumes back to canada <laughs> land of freedom <laughs> yes and uh yeah that's our film um yeah. i liked it i it was a little long but it didn't i was a little nervous after the first half hour because i kept looking at the runtime like oh no but it, it picks up like a oh, lot yeah. yeah beautiful um beautiful score by joseph loduca um, great cinematography by uh, Dan Lostson. Um, great editing. Um, it was made for like $29 million back in the day. Okay. Made about, uh, about $70.7 7 million worldwide. And um, so at the time, it was not as big a success as it might have been, but nevertheless, it managed to be the sixth most uh, popular French movie of all time uh, released in the United States. So there you go. Yeah. I mean, there are, you know, there are worse things. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's a it's a crazy movie, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's craziness is the thing that I enjoy the most about it. I love that it's it's really balls to the wall. It's it's completely, you know, it's like, well, this is what we're going to do. And if you don't like it, get the fuck out. <laughs> yeah, and I think and especially no since a lot of people, maybe like myself, go into it like, all right, so it's a period piece and it's about werewolves. So it's going to be more like a hammer horror type of thing, maybe. But it is not. No. Not at all. Um, yeah, it's um, yeah, it is so much weirder, so much weirder and wilder than that. Um, you know, I I can't think of any part of it that I would cut necessarily. No, no, I was going to say the length beautifully on its own. Yeah, but by the time you finish the film, I think the length actually makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and uh, it's... but yeah, it's. It's nuts. It's really crazy. Yes. And, uh, totally you know, nuts, if you see it for nothing it, yeah. else, you know, see it for the performance of Mark DeCascos and um, for the uh, the assumption that all Canadians are buff, buff and uh, buff, hot and uh, badass as hell. Indeed. Um, exactly. And I would say with the caveat, if you can find the French, the original French, I would say watch it like that please um, do the one thing i will say is and again i don't know i don't really blame the filmmakers for this but 
The English dub isn't the best. No. Um, I think it's really hard sometimes uh, to do a really good um, English dub of anything. Right. Uh, actually, I think the best English dub that I've ever seen is probably um, the one Netflix did for Babylon Berlin. Um, but yeah, it, it certainly does not help that only some of the original actors can do that. Right. I was going to say the main issue I think is that a lot of the voices are clearly not the actors themselves. Yes. Yeah. But other than that, yeah, I mean, awesome movie, a lot of action. You get to see Monica Bellucci naked, not to be a perv, but Mm -hmm. always a plus. Uh, you know, why would you not want to see Monica Bellucci, Bellucci naked? Come on. It's true. Um, but yeah. yeah, I think that's, I think that's going to wrap it up. Um, real quick, we have a Patreon. Someday it'll get updated. Uh, maybe by <laughs> episode 200. Um, but if you want to throw me a dollar, that'd help me immensely. Um, we are on anchor.fm slash celluloid sits. We're on Twitter at celluloid sits and we are on youtube as well slowly updating the catalog on the youtube as well uh Gemma, thanks for coming back on oh no problem i'm uh i'm always really happy to talk about movies i love same it's always great to have you on um cool yeah so with that uh this has been celluloid citizens i'm sean m thompson i'm Gemma files and um you know, watch out for royalty with weird, creepy, gangrenous arms that are actually really incredibly <laughs> strong and have wolf claws. <laughs> if if a man says that he only has one arm, check. You need to check because he might yes, have a weird, mutated, evil dead arm and then he's going to try to fight you with a bone sword. Exactly. Exactly.